Hi friends, welcome to Life in Higher Ed. I am Herminio Perez. And I'm Denise Nelson-Nash. We are senior higher education administrators and combined, we have over 50 years of experience and we are here to talk about what goes on behind the scenes on a college and university campuses. We surface the interesting, the confounding, and the seemingly absurd, and we do so with honesty and a sprinkling of humor. We want to help you not only survive but thrive and to know that you are not alone in your journey. If you are an administrator in higher ed or considering becoming an administrator, this podcast is for you. Hello, friends, and welcome to today's episode, Inclusive Leadership, How to Influence and Bring Others Along on the Journey. I have to say that I was waiting for this conversation. Being a leader is not an easy task, and I can't imagine what is to be an inclusive leader. On the other hand, uh, in order to be a leader, you need to be inclusive. That is so true, Arminio. And in order to be a more relevant, impactful leader, leaders have to rise to the challenge of understanding where society, the nation, and the world are while remaining authentic to who they are and contributing to advancing the core mission of their institutions. That's no simple task, and there's no one-size-fits-all roadmap. Then let's start our episode, Denise. And today, I am so excited to welcome Dr. Sangeeta Lamba. She is the Vice President for Faculty Development and Diversity within University Equity and Inclusion. She leads the Faculty Diversity Collaborative, which integrates diversity and inclusion into the institutional pursuit of academic excellence, guiding the institutional investment in the retention and success of a diverse faculty. She's also Serve as the Vice Chancellor for Diversity and Inclusion at Rutgers Biomedical and Health Sciences. And she leads and coordinates the Rutgers Biomedical Health and Sciences efforts to foster opportunities for diversity and inclusion with a special emphasis on academic and faculty advancement. Gira, welcome to life in higher ed. Thank you, Emmanuel, and thank you, Denise, for having me on the podcast today. Oh, well, thank you, Gita, for joining us. Um, I'm so excited about this topic, too. And I think for our listeners, if you could start off just talking a little bit more about yourself and what you do and why you chose this particular topic of inclusive leadership. So it's interesting, Denise. Um, I was actually attending a leadership program, um, I want to say about three years ago. And one of the things they asked me to define is my style of leadership. And that got me into this journey of thinking about what, what is a style of leadership? I mean, is it a quality that a person has or is this something that I've built over the years? Um, and I remember really struggling with it because I fell into, I wanted to call myself a servant leader. I wanted to call myself a collaborative leader. I wanted to call myself um, a transformational leader. And I couldn't find one word that sort of encapsulated all these things that I felt um, were really important in, in sort of the leadership roles that I've been in. And that journey of reflect, reflection led me to thinking about inclusive leadership, what it means, and diving deeper into it to say, well, 
So then landing to the point of that's what it is. So that's the journey of sort of figuring out my own journey to say, well, this is what it is. This is what it looks like. Um, because as you know, in healthcare, what happens is we do our jobs. And when we do our jobs really well, they say, oh, you can now take this leadership role and manage people who do actually what you did um, well now. And then it's like this trial and error thing. So you never quite take a moment back to say, you know, what am I building? What are the qualities I'm fostering? Where do I need to work more? So that's actually how this whole process of me thinking about inclusive leadership began. That's amazing, Gita, because I'm, I'm, now I'm thinking about your journey. And you were saying that that question, what kind of leader you are, start or, or start making you think about if you're going to be a servant leader or a collaborative leader, what kind of leader you are. Then my question to you is, what role does self-awareness play in the practice of an inclusive leader? So I think it starts there. So one of the things, and I, I'm not quite sure who I heard say this, is to me, um, the dimensionality in inclusive leadership is three-dimensional. Whereas when you think about qual qualities and styles or what kind of leader are you, you know, a collaborative leader, you're really not necessarily focusing on the three dimensions. And the three dimensions start with yourself. The second is the people around you. And I think the most important piece is the system in which you live. So if you have sort of a very strong awareness of yourself, that's where it begins. But your focus is really the people around you and then recognizing that you can't move the dial unless you're aware of the system that everything lives in. So that, that three-dimensional piece of inclusive leadership is really, really um Uh, you know, I've, I've really kind of sort of come to understand that it may start at the self, but that other knowledge is equally important, those fears of influence that you have around you. Oh, and picking up on that, Gita, in terms of influence, I mean, there's something called the influence style indicator. I don't know if our listeners are familiar with that, but it's an assessment instrument. And I remember the first time I saw that and I was thinking about you had to pick sort of a, a what style or combination of styles. Um, that you um, that you consider yourself. And I've thought so much about that. It was like rationalizing, asserting, negotiating, inspiring, and bridging. Seems to me you need all of those. But what, what's your thoughts on that? I think you do. And that's why I think this, this sort of evolving definition of inclusive leadership does that. It allows you to say, I need, it allows you to say that there are certain traits that you sort of need to build and foster to To have that inclusivity, but it also allows you to say it's not one dimensional. There are times when I need to have this piece of me really prominent in, in, in influencing. And then there are times when I need to have this other piece of me. So that influence dial, as you, sp as you speak about, you're, as you're um, getting your work done, <laughs> you, which, which, which of those you're, it's, it's very fluid. You move from one to the other. So Um, but I think in almost all of those, the one thing that I've really loved is, I'm not sure if you've um, heard of the book, Unleash the Unapologetic Leader's Guide to Empowering Everyone Around You. It's, it's two, um, uh, it's Francis Fry and Anne Morris. And, you know, as I went on my own journey of defining my own sort of leadership, 
their definition really resonated with me because it, the, the, their whole point in, in the book is it's about making others better as a result of you being there. And that impact lasts after you're long gone. So when you shift that focus to say, you know, it's, it's how am I impacting people around me? That um, allows you to, that you have to be versatile. You have to be not just one way of thinking and doing things because people bring different aspects. So you have to sort of adapt to what one person needs versus what another person needs, what a team needs versus another team needs. So I really like that definition as I think about, um, you know, the influence style, um, as you mentioned. Right. I, I just want to jump in. I know that Hermio has a has a question, but I just really love that because I've always thought in my own work, it is always about inspiring and motivating and helping my team members to achieve their goals and be the best version of themselves that they can be. And also to be able to impact, influence um um, just help to advance whatever the mission is of the institution or the work that they're doing. So I really appreciate um, those comments. Herminio. Going back again, what you were, uh, what you mentioned, Gita, in terms of so important to be aware of yourself, of the people around you, and also the system that you are living in. Um, but I would like to hear from you based on the fact that we are talking about that flexibility, adaptability, getting to know the environment that you are in, how do you influence others to align with you and your mission? Yeah, it's, this is an, um, and uh, again, I'm, the, people have really worked on some of these um, ways to influence. So I, you know, I borrow heavily from what I read and some things resonate with you. And then you start doing your work and you're like, wait, this makes sense. And I read this here. So recently, um, one of the book club books we read was A Conversation by Robert Livingston. And he really talks about taking people along on a journey. And again, you, you, uh, I, I think part of it is your role and part of it is the people around you. And I think your role is an easier one to define. You have to have the courage to bring up things that people may not want to. You have to have the cognizance that you have biases, others have biases. Um, you have to have the curiosity of saying, you know, this person's not moving forward because of this reason. You have to have the cultural humility. Those are all things that I can do. But ultimately, if the movement forward is not dependent on me and me alone, and it is the people around me that are going to be doing the the, the actual influencing within their own spheres of influence, he talks about having a clear understanding of uh, who are you trying to influence? Is it a shark? Very competitive and very hard to move and will actually destroy more of your mission than possible. Is it a dolphin who, you know, is very community minded and maybe wants to do well, but just needs a couple of tools to do better? Or is it an ostrich you're trying to influence where if it's not relevant to me, I couldn't care less what your problem is. So I really like that concept when I'm thinking about, um, and, uh, you know, of course, there's more dolphins than there are sharks, and there are more dolphins and ostriches than there are sharks. But all our focus goes on the sharks. Almost all our focus goes on the sharks. And I think shifting that to say, they'll always be there. 
and that's great. And I need to know where I can, they can really like eat us up. But majority of the work I'm going to do is with my dolphins where they just need to be better angels. And, you know, one of the things he talks about with um, ostriches who have their head in the sand is make it relevant to them. You know, maybe if it's in your performance metric and you want to do, um, you know, you want to talk about um, inclusive excellence in your department, make it relevant to them. If your incentives are tied to that, the ostriches will pay attention. So data may be what drives them. Um, so I think that influence being um, who's on your team and what they're, that, that recognition of people come at it from different places, particularly in diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think within that work, I've been on my own journey. I didn't come into this space thinking that it was gender equity that really got me going. But I don't even hope to understand the whole aspect and the lived experiences of everyone who is in academia. So you have to have that humility to say, I need to hear from others to say, this is my experience. So I, I think I'm not sure if I really went off track here, <laughs> but as you're thinking about moving the dial in any way, having a big rec focus on what your lenses are and having a real good focus on who is around and how you need to influence them, um, at what speed someone is able to come along with you, I think both have relevance. So this, um, you know, what you're saying resonates with me so much. And it reminds me of Daryl Smith, the, the author and researcher who's written about building leadership capacity for diversity in higher ed um, and as an imperative for institutional excellence in pluralistic societies. And she, you know, really focuses on the fact that we do live in a pluralistic society and we have these communities and institutions. So how do you how do you view what she calls there to be an imperative um, about understanding that in the set of practices that you would recommend that our listeners consider um, when they're thinking about inclusive leadership? I think the, the, the major part in, in almost all these conversations is how intentional you're being. I think everyone um, I believe comes from the intention of I want to do better and I want to move the dial. But what spaces they feel that they're moving the dial in may, may be very limited. So I may be very conscious of the fact, for example, that I need to be mindful of the holistic experiences of um, my faculty when I'm hiring because I have a huge equity gap, let's say, of um, you know folks who identify from one particular category or the other. So I may be very, very high powered and focused on that recruitment piece, but then I am blind to their experiences, blind to what they need to be happy and you know have retention within your um, within within your organization. So I think that one of the things is that intentionality needs to come in every decision, in every decision, and. I think you don't realize that till you've lived in an environment where it is part of every decision to know how it functions. Because, you know, often you'll do one and then you move on, but it's in every decision when you're, when you're picking small group facilitators to lead your um, sessions. Are you thinking about it then? Are you thinking about who's standing on the podium to lecture? Who's coming for your grand rounds? Who, you know, Every, every decision you make 
has to have that intentionality. And I think till you do that, you, you, you try, but then you don't do it in a very systematic, ongoing, all the time manner. Um, and I, I think that's, that's the piece I, I think, which I would say is if you truly believe in the mission of the fact that inclusive cultures lift all, and they do, it's, it's that rising tide that lifts all boats. Being inclusive doesn't mean that you're only helping, um, one person or two people. Inclusive cultures help everybody. So if you go with that and you say, I need to be intentional and equity minded. And that's the other piece that I often, often have people sort of think about because equity minded means that you have to be mindful that each person's experience is very different. So you, so if you can be intentional and equity minded and be com- committed to almost every step, every decision you make, I think that's probably the only way that the dial will move um, in whichever way you, you, you're thinking about inclusivity. Thank you for those words, um, uh, Gita. And a leader's role, um, beside being serving, being authentic, and being inclusive, what are, in your opinion, what are the steps? Let's say that I would like to be an inclusive leader, right? What are the steps that that individual needs to go through in order to accomplish that? Yeah, I think you can come to, first, I think it starts with understanding your own biases. Every single one of us has biases. And they come out in ways, even when you are very aware of them, and you, you still fall into that step all the time. The, this, the second part, I think, is if you can center, um, you can just ask yourself the question of who's, whose needs are you centering on? Um, I, I think it really... You don't have to do a lot of work to think about, oh, you know, I need to build this piece and I need to, but just those two, what are my own biases and how are they coming across in every decision I'm making and being mindful of that? Um, And then really whose needs am I centering if I'm making this decision? And often um, the primary need is me. Um, and And it's often happened that but when you get that wake up call, when you're doing it and someone says, wait a minute, and you take and you, and you take that with humility to say, OK, I, you know, I, I understand I'm a doer. The, you know, the, when you do all your scales of, um, you know, what kind of personality you have, your um, Berkman's style of I'm a doer. So my automatic when I'm under stress is task oriented because it's under my control. So I become very task oriented. So the more tasks I have on my plate, my team, I'll share more tasks and more tasks because if I accomplish them, my stress level will be low and therefore I will feel I'm in control. I have a thinker in my team and they need to digest. There's particularly when instances like what happened on Friday, there's, there's something that is societal that is weighing very heavy on their minds. And I'm a task oriented person and I'm asking you to do, do, do where someone just needs to take a moment and digest what has happened, they're not in a frame of mind to do, do, do. So it's that, um, it's that recognition of, you know, I have my own issues, but others may, may, may manage it very differently. So whose needs are you centering is really important. 
because majority of the time we center our own needs and it's natural. But if you really just keep asking yourself, what are my biases? Whose needs am I centering in this decision-making? You may open your mind a little bit more to thinking differently. Um, and I, and I ask my, that, myself that question a lot. Yeah. Well, Gita, I can't believe the time has gone so quickly. This has been such an amazing conversation. And you've given us some, some really great insights and things to think about. And I could probably extrapolate what I need to do for myself right now. But um, just to sort of wrap things up, if you had like one or two pieces of advice for our listeners, um, in thinking about their journey in wanting to be an inclusive leader, what would those be? I think the, the part is really coming back to the place of why do you want to be an inclusive leader? Really understanding your own personal why. Because um, I think if you're doing it for the organization, you're doing it because your incentive is tied to it. It is a very superficial understanding of your why. If your personal why is um, really, and you've explored that, I think you will then be a much more authentic, um, people will pursue you, will look at you with more integrity, but you have to know your personal why before you go on this journey. And for each one of us, our personal whys are very different. It may be a personal experience, it may be what you saw happen, but often it is what you felt when you felt like the outsider and now you don't want that to happen again, that is a beginning point. And I think that's where you should start because if you do it for some other purposes, because it looks good or it is the thing to do, but you don't have that personal why in the mix, um, I think your efforts will always sort of fall short. Uh, but when you do it because it's core to what you do, then you make it, make it move forward. And as you get the positive rewards, it's that reinforcement cycle that you want to do more and you want to do more. So get to know your personal why and be able to communicate it. <laughs> That's the other part. <laughs> it's sometimes good to know it, but you can't right. communicate it. Oh, well, that was great advice. Arminio? We have a tradition of ending our episodes with inspirational words from a thought leader. And today, uh, Gita, we have a quote from... Audre Lorde. And Audre Lorde was a writer, poet, feminist, professor, civil rights activist, and woman king warrior. And she dedicated both her life and her creative talent to confronting and addressing injustices of racism, sexism, classism, and homophobia. And reflecting back on your comment on, you know, you had to check on your own the reason why you are doing this. I think that this quote sums up a reflection for each of us as we consider how we will practice inclusive leadership. And she said, in our word and in our living, we must recognize that differences is a reason for celebration and growth rather than a reason for destruction. I love this quote. And to me, it really encapsulates, Gita, what you were saying about inclusive cultures lift all and that intentionality and equity mindedness, because it's not about one wins and the other loses. We all win when we become inclusive. So thank you so much um, for, for sharing that with us. And Arminio, thank you for sharing this, um, this great closing thought for us. 
Gita, we've really, we really enjoyed this conversation with you. And thank you for your time and for sharing with us your experiences, your thoughts, your wisdom, and, you know, everything that you said in this conversation is extremely valuable for our audience. And before we go, I want to invite our friends to join us next time when we welcome another guest or leader, actually, from the world of higher ed. Thank you, Gita, for being here with us. Yes, thank you, Gita. It was an, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Okay. All. Bye, all.